Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I'm happy that you've joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Boldness in tough times. Boldness in tough times. COVID-19 is amongst us. We're told on Thursday, I think, that's when the announcement came, that there are three cases of COVID-19 in a long way. Yesterday, we're told that there's another case in Blantar. And that's how it usually starts. Starts off one, two, three cases, and then it starts blowing up. And, of course, you know there are measures that are being taken. And the president, you know, the past uh, two, three days has been making the announcements and telling us that there are measures that the government is taking. So, for example, uh, minibuses are not supposed to be filling up with you know, with uh, four, four people, the way that we're usually crumbed, right? It's going to be two people, two people. We know also that um, the, the, the prices of, uh, of, uh, the prices of, of gasoline, uh, of petrol, and diesel, they have come down. Of course, that's not part of the measures. It's because, you know, world prices have really come down, the lowest in the past 18 years. And we also know that there are things like, well, uh, schools have been closed, uh, banks have been, the Reserve Bank has given banks 12 billion kwacha so that they can help with, you know, companies that are struggling. And so this thing is, is really a crazy thing. We've never been here before. You know that? We've never been here before. And of course, sometimes it, it feels like there's some vague things that are said. So yesterday, part of the announcement was like, well, all formal meetings and gatherings uh, must be stopped. But it's like, okay, do you mean church, especially since it's Saturday night, do you mean church tomorrow is closed, right? But I think we should be aware that the thing that, the, the way that this thing has been sorted out is by a lockdown. It's by a lockdown, it's by a locking down. Wuhan was locked down. And after it was locked down for a long time, some, some months pretty much, we found, they found that their new infections had gone down. And so you and I are probably headed for a lockdown. As church, we are, we are taking our measures as well. So we're saying the next 21 days, we're not going to meet again. Why? Because we know that the way that this thing spreads, it spreads by gatherings and contacts. So when we minimize the contacts, when we stay at home, we know there will not be any new infections at all. And so that's part of our responsibility as the church. And a lot of people, of course, they're like, oh, but you're closing the church and Satan is winning. No, the church is not what we do in, in, this, in these four walls. The church is who we are. You take church with you. You're not going to church. You, you are the church. And wherever it is that you go, you are the church. And so this is just a, a place where the church is going to be not gathered, but scattered. But in all this turbulent times, with all these things that are going on, how, how do we still be Christians? How do we still be witnesses that God has called us to be? You know, this passage reminds us that true believers boldly witness in tough times. Tell your neighbor, true believers boldly witness in tough times. What does this bold witness in tough times look like? I think there are three things that we can take from here. I want you to watch. The bold witness is preaching in tough times. Preaching in, in tough times. And here, of course, I don't mean we're all preachers. Not in the sense of you stand up and you preach and you're a pastor or something like that. No, but we're all witnesses, isn't it? 
we've all been called to be witnesses. And so, we continue, we should continue soberly witnessing for Christ. We should continue soberly witnessing for Christ. Let's go back to that text again, uh, chapter number 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Here's what Paul says in verse number 1. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much affliction. Now remember again, Paul is writing to this church of the Thessalonians, which is the church in Thessalonica, and he's not uh, writing uh, to a church that meets, that gathers in one big building, because at that point in time, there are no church buildings yet. So these are probably home churches, churches that are uh, meeting in the different homes. Think of home cells. Right? that are meeting in the different homes. And so he's writing a letter that's going to go to all these people. And so he reminds them, and in the first chapter, just as in this chapter, he's kind of like exhorting them, encouraging them for how they're blessing to God and to even himself. Right? And so he starts off by saying, recalling a time or how he had come to Thessalonica. Or Thessalonica right? And he says that you know the way that we came from Philippi. And these are things that you find in the Bible in Acts chapter number 6. Paul and, and, and his friends, they are on their way to, 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 to preaching the gospel in a place called Troas and, and different places like those. And then they, they have a dream, a dream of a man from the Macedonia who says to them, come over here and help us. That's how they end up there. They end up in Philippi because a man from Macedonia, and, and Philippi is in Macedonia, a man from Macedonia had said, come and help us. And so they ended up in Philippi, met up Lydia, who was one of the ladies that are worshipping in a particular place, and shared the gospel with them, and the gospel grew. In fact, it was in that place that there was this girl that was used as a soothsayer that started saying things about Paul and his friends. These men are servants of the Most High God. These men are servants of the Most High God. And then Paul gets really mad and then, you know, cast out that demon that was saying those things through this girl. And that's when he gets in trouble. He gets in trouble. He's thrown into jail in the middle of the night at midnight. He has a praise party with Silas as they're praising and worshipping in there. Then all jail breaks loose. Right? Chains are broken, the doors are open. The Philippian jailer, the guy that's in charge of the jail, wants to kill himself because he understands that if any of these people escape, I am dead. I may as well just kill myself. And then he, they tell him, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We're all here. And then this guy starts saying, what should I do to be saved? Hallelujah. <laughs> right? And then after that, this guy in his house, they get baptized. They're definitely Christians. And then in the morning, the authorities basically say, okay, let them go. And Paul and his friends say, no, you just can't, you know, jail us, us Roman citizens. And in the morning, you decide, let us go. It's wrong for you. It's, a, it's criminal, in fact, for you to jail a Roman without due process. And anyway, they left that place. And that's how they ended up in this place called Thessalonica. So they're coming from trouble. And when they get to Thessalonica, you know, again, they end up in trouble. Because they preach there for three weeks in the synagogue. The Jews, they get jealous. And so they incite people against Paul and his friends. And so that there's an uproar. In fact, they request that Jason, the person that they were staying with, should, be, should give a bond so that these people can stay in the city because these people are preaching foreign gods. In other words, the whole church or the whole mission at Thessalonica was a mission that was started in trouble. It was started in affliction. And so that's why Paul here, he says that you know how this all started 
in, in affliction. But how did Paul conduct himself in the midst of that trouble, in the midst of that tough time? How did he conduct himself, he and his friends? Verse number 3. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. So he says, when, when we shared the gospel to you, it was in purity. It was not from error. It was not from misunderstanding or, or trying to twist the truth. You know, sometimes people twist the truth of the Word of God and so that it is palatable to people, so that people like it says no. We were not like that. When we preached the Word to you, it was not from error, nor was it from impurity, that there was some unrighteous things that we were doing or anything like that, but this was the pure gospel that we preached to you. And he says again, or any attempt to deceive. That it wasn't a way that, it, it, it wasn't an attempt for us to, to steal from you or deceive you or to make you believe things that are not true. But he says, we operated as those that were approved by God. Approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Ask your neighbor, can you be trusted with the gospel? So they were approved of God as people that could be entrusted with the gospel. As people that could be trusted with the gospel. And so he says, verse number 4, So we speak not to please man, but to please God. So we know that when we're witnessing, we're not witnessing so that we can, we can please people. So that we can tell them that things are going to work better and better for you. Oh, this is double double. This is the year of your breakthroughs and da 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 da. No, 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 no. We, we just spoke the gospel. We just told people about the things that God has said, the bad news that there's judgment coming and there's a judge who'll, ju- who'll judge everybody on that day that had been killed and has been resurrected. But whoever believes in this judge that was killed, the righteousness of this judge will be imputed, will be passed on to the person that has delivered. And so here's the good news, you will be saved on that day. So that's the way we presented it. We presented it in a way not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. In other words, the test of God is inside, is in the heart. To please man... Usually it's on the outside, isn't it? That you can see, oh, you know, they're, they're happy with the saying, amen, they're shouting, hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pleasing people. People are happy with my sermon. Really, a real, listen, a real gospel preacher is not about making you happy. Amen. Tell your neighbor, a real gospel preacher is not about making you happy. He's about telling you the truth. And so he says, verse number 5, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the, with the pretext for greed, God is witness. So the way we came to you, it wasn't with words that can flatter you. No, 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 no. We were not out there to, you know, to put butter on you and margarine and, you know, make you feel good about yourself. No, 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 it was not with flattery. We were not saying things that are not true about you just to please you. He says, no, it was not with flattery. As you know, nor with a pretext for greed, nor with an excuse for greed. That we're sharing this gospel with, with you, or we're telling you all these nice things about you, and so that you can give us a love offering. Hallelujah. Do you know that churches that you actually pay to get in? You actually pay to get in. There's one big church in, in, uh, in, 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 in South Africa, 
If you're going to be in the front near where the preacher is, it's 15,000 runs. If you're going to be somewhere a little further, it's 7,500 runs. And I don't know what the stands out there are like, but, you know, you, you give something. He says, no, it wasn't about deceiving. It wasn't about greed. He says, no. He says, God is our witness. Verse number 6, Nor did we see glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have met demands as apostles of Christ. Since we're not about our glory. We're not about to, to show how great that we are. We're not about, we're not about showing how, how great preachers that we were. We're not about showing how dedicated we are to God. We're not about that. No, we were not about that. And we've never met demands on you. Though, as apostles of Christ, we had every right to do so. See, it almost feels to me like you have one end of the church or one part of the church that is like, oh, don't give at all. Don't stand with your preachers. Don't stand with your pastors. Don't give them at all. They'll get rich over you. <laughs> all right? And then you have on their other end, those churches that adore their preachers, that adore their pastors, and it's like they're just giving everything. The truth is somewhere in between, you know. The Bible commands us that we should take care of those elders that labor in teaching. That's what Paul says. The elders that labor in teaching, those ones that are worthy of double honor or double pay. Those of us that preach to you, the Bible says it. We're worthy of double honor. You're supposed to take care of us. And in the normal way, when a church has matured, remember again, the Thessalonian church is a new church. Amen. It's a new church. And so when a church has matured, a church must learn to take care of its own business. Hallelujah. To take care of its leaders. To take care of its pastors. A lot of people have a call to ministry, but they get scared. They get scared of getting into ministry because they're feeling, if I get into ministry, the church won't take care of me. My kids won't go to the schools that they're supposed to be going to. I'm not going to be able to take care of my family. And so, I'd rather not be in ministry. What's the problem? The problem is not just that they're greedy. No. The problem is that the church is greedy. Amen. The church is greedy. The church does not want to share with those that God has called to minister to them so that this gospel can go to the ends of the world. Tell your neighbor, say amen. He says, he was doing this to please God and was doing this in simplicity. It's kind of like a far cry from the big man leadership we love, isn't it? I mean, Africa loves big man leadership. Africa wants that leader that when they stand up, oh, they speak in such a way that they, I don't know, they, they, they make you fear them. <laughs> Isn't it? And so we like the presidents that have morale. That's what we call it. We call it morale. They speak with power. And interestingly enough, they're not the ones that deliver, right? <laughs> Primary school teacher used to say, empty buckets make a lot of noise. And Paul is saying, no, we're not about noise. We're about substance. 
We come to you under the approval of God, entrusted with the gospel, and we speak to you things that are not going to just please you, but things that are going to please God. That's what witnessing is about. We're witnessing in such a way that we speak the truth of God before people. When this lockdown does come, and I think it's going to come, and I hope we actually lock down this country. When the lockdown comes, you and I need to realize that we're called to soberly witness. Not to flutter people. Not to speak things that will endear people to us. No, 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 no. To speak the word as the word of God. Tell your neighbor, preach in tough times. Tell your neighbor number two. Tell them number two. Parenting in tough times. Paul switches now to an analogy of parenting. So he speaks of a mother. speaks of a father. He speaks of being an example. Here's something. You and I should continue discipling and being disciple for witness. In these tough times, we should continue discipling and being disciple for witness. Look with me on verse number 7. It says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of our own children. We were gentle among you. Gentle. Like a nursing mother. Nursing mother is always listening to the cry of the child, isn't it? Nursing mother is always trying to check out, so what's wrong with this child? Why is this child crying? He says, that's that's how we were. We were gentle We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Not somebody else's children, but her own children. Verse number 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. He says, we have an emotional connection with you. We have an emotional connection with you. And that emotional connection is one that makes us to, to yearn for you. And so we affectionately desire you and ready not to just share the gospel, but to share our very lives. Do you know, Christianity is about love. Christianity is about love. Power can be faked by the enemy. Miracles can be faked by the enemy. All the things that we consider powerful can be faked by the enemy. Or the world considers powerful can be faked by the enemy. But love can never be faked. Love can never be faked. And so the concern and the care that Paul, Silas and Timothy had for these people is a mark that, look, God has sent us. We are here for you. And so, it says again, To share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. In those few months or weeks that we were with you, oh, we got connected. God just so connected us. I don't know if you've ever had a connection like that with somebody that's a believer. You don't even know them. You come to know them. And then you start connecting. And you feel like, you know, I I can trust this person with my life. Why? Because God has brought you together. He says that's what we have for you. Church, listen. When you make church to be Sunday, 
only. You are living far below basic Christianity. Because basic Christianity is about the sharing of our lives. We can share our lives on a Sunday morning, like this, with so many people. No. We share our lives in small groups. In small groups, that's where we share our lives. In small groups, that's where we start saying, oh, you know, I, I have such, such a need, please pray for me. In small groups, that's where God actually provides for you, not only through the prayer of others, but others that He has given more so that they can help you out. Amen. Let's move from this mentality, this power mentality. Sorry, but to some extent I'm almost thinking, thank God for COVID-19. Because it's going to crush this big church mentality that we have. This show mentality that we have. That we come out here and we hear the gospel and we have some great worship. And uh, you know, we are in a nice place and we think that's what the presence and power of God is. No, 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 no. That those things are important. But it is you having a relationship with God and with others. May we connect in our home cells this lockdown period. May we seek for others that we can connect with. Listen, maybe you're, you're not anxious. Maybe this thing doesn't bother you. Do you know there are some people that are really worried? And they can do with the encouragement. And so every time that you refuse that you're going to get together with some people to, to, to have a home sale and whatever, you are being selfish. You are being selfish. Because somebody requires your encouragement. Hallelujah. And then he says again, verse number 9, says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Now while he was there, you remember Paul was a tent maker, right? So he also had a profession. So that's how he also supported himself. So he says, here's what we did. Because you are a new church, because you are a new church, we, we worked hard. And it seems like when you read the letters, in, uh, when, when you read these two letters, it looks like there are some lazy people. Looks like there's some lazy people, and it looks like there's some people that are thinking that, oh, you know, Christ uh, is going to come anytime, and so because he's going to come anytime, then we don't have to work. And Paul has to tell them, no, 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 no. He who does not work must not eat. So Paul is saying, listen, we were exemplary amongst you. We worked amongst you. We worked day and night to take care of ourselves so that we may not be a burden to you. New church. See, it's not wise to mix evangelism with fundraising. <laughs> because it comes off like you are fundraising. And so Paul would rather work with his own hands. But we know in Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 16, when he's commending the Philippians for how they have partnered with him in the gospel, how they have always provided for him. Wherever he was ministering, he says, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help. So Paul was working, but Paul was also being helped by the Thessalonican church. I mean, the, the, the Philippian church, because the Philippian church was mature and, and understood the partnership of the gospel. That the partnership of the gospel requires that we give our resources as church to the work of the gospel. But for the Thessalonians, new Christians... He wants to set an example. So, 
we are going to work so that we don't burden you. Why? Because you are children in a sense. And in verse number 10 he says, You are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. It's exemplary. He says, when you look at our lives, you know that we live holy lives. We live righteous lives. We live blameless lives in our conduct toward you believers. How did we conduct ourselves? Blamelessly. Righteously. In a holy way. Do you know, because we are so caught up with the gifting, with gifts, we have thrown away character. Even in the church. The church is the reason there's mess in this country. Because the church, we're not operating by righteousness, by blamelessness, by holiness. We're operating by gifting, by charisma. And so if somebody does some powerful miracles, we say, that's the man of God, or that's the woman of God. We do not care about their character. Listen, listen, listen. The coming of the Antichrist, the coming of the son of perdition, is one with many signs and wonders. Jesus says that if the days, those last days would be elongated, would be made longer, even the elect could be deceived. If running for miracles, if you're just running for prophecies, if you're just running for things that, healings and whatever, you are going to miss God. Because here's Paul saying, you want to know a true man of God? Watch their life. Watch their holiness. Watch their blamelessness. Watch their righteousness. He says, that's the way we conducted ourselves among you. Remember again, God looks at the inside, right? God doesn't look at the outside. God looks at the inside. The measure, the mark of a, of a Christian is the inside of the Christian. It's not the outside of a Christian. It's not what they do. It's what is inside them. For you know, verse number 11, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He says, we're like a mother nursing you. We're like parents that do not want to burden you. We're exemplary in our holiness before you. And he says, like a father, here's what we did. We encouraged you. We exhorted you. And we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. We charged you. We commanded you. You should walk this way. Don't do those things. Don't get drunk. Don't sleep around. Don't lie. Don't Steal, don't do all those things. Church. So what, watch what Paul is saying. We charged you, as fathers, to live a life worthy in a manner, or to walk in a manner worthy of God. In other words, when you live your life, do you live your life in such a way that you put the scrutiny of God upon your life? Is the way that you walk your life worthy of God? Is the way that you do your business worthy of God? 
Is the way that you treat people worthy of God? So he says, no, we charged you that you should walk in a manner that is worthy of God. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. In other words, your destiny is a destiny to be in the kingdom of God and to walk in the glory of God. In other words, your identity is an identity that flows from the authority of God's kingdom. In other words, the kingdom of God or the authority of God is what you're operating under. You have authority that is coming from the kingdom of God because you're under the authority of God. So He has called you into His own kingdom and His glory. Are you growing as a believer? Are you growing as a believer? See, any living thing must grow, right? Any living thing grows. I don't know what textbook you use for biology, but we use D.G. McKean. Anybody remember D.G. McKean? D.G. McKean, yeah. One of, the live, one of the characteristics of living things is movement, growth. Right? And so if you are a believer, you are meant to grow. May this lockdown be a place of your growth. May this time be the time that you seek God for yourself. Not seek God on a second hand basis. Listen, church here is just to help you to move forward in that which you are already moving into. Church is not a substitute for your own seeking God, reading the Word of God for yourself, hearing from, from God for yourself. Church is not a substitute for that. Church just enhances that. Hallelujah. Maybe this whole thing is going to get us to the point where we say, you know, I can't find pastor, I can't find elder, whatever. I should just pray for myself. I should just read the word for myself. I should just memorize the word for myself. I should just hear the word of God for myself. See, we are called to disciple and be discipled. We are called to parents to bring others to the level where we are at. And we are called also to be lifted up to a higher level. So the work of discipleship, the work of parenting, is the work that must go on in the church. In fact, at the heart of discipleship, or at the heart of the Great Commission, is discipleship. Go ye into all the world, and make disciples of all nations. In the lockdown, in COVID-19 times, you are still meant to make disciples. Oh, how do I do it? Well, instead of spreading all the fear you're spreading through the WhatsApp messages you're forwarding, that you haven't even double-checked to see if it's accurate or not. Why don't you share something that is of the gospel? Why don't you share the gospel? Why don't you start a watch party with a sermon right here, in the name of Jesus? Be an agent of change. Bring hope around you. Let people see that in the midst of all this craziness, God still has the final say. And by the way, this is not the end of the world. Let nobody lie to you. Oh, you know, it's the end of the world. It was written that these are the last days and things like these are going to happen. Nonsense. We'll get to Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. And it will tell you that, look, don't be soon shaken by all these things that you hear. Because there are some things that must happen first before the end comes. Amen. There must be some things that must happen first before the end comes. We're not at the end yet. 
It's just that we've never had something like this in a long time. Right? Last time probably, this part of the world probably is influenza 1918. Nothing like this. Maybe HIV is, but HIV is kind of like manageable, isn't it? Because what they're telling us now is that it seems to be airborne. At first they were saying it's not airborne. Now they're saying make sure you have a cloth mask. I mean, watch TV, the news. They're saying uh, right now in, 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 in America, they're telling them, CNN was saying, look, here's how you can make your own face cloth. It's not the best thing, it's not like a mask, but make a face cloth because this thing may be airborne. And these are people who have people dying. Have you seen how we, <laughs> how we lock down our townships when there's just one funeral? Just one person dying. I'm not, I'm not minimizing death here, please understand me. But just one person dying, your whole block will be closed off. Isn't it? Can you imagine 20 people dying in that township? What would that be? That's what this thing is. Let's not take this thing flippantly. This thing can very easily come to that. And we've seen countries who did not think a lockdown is something that is important or that they would wait until, well, they have more cases. That's when they do a lockdown. And, we've see, and we're seeing how hard it has hit them. Father, you, Pastor, you're, you're making me fear. No, that's not the point. The point is let's be truthful. Let's be truthful with what this thing can be and let's take the precautions now. Hallelujah. True believers boldly witness in tough times. What does this bold witness in tough, tough, tough times look like? I want preaching in tough times. Preaching in tough times. Let's go ahead and look at verse number 13. Which you heard, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. We are to persevere in our witnessing. And again, here Paul is speaking of how the Thessalonians received the gospel. That when they received the gospel, they did not receive it as the word of men. Uh-uh. They received it as the word of God. In other words, they received it with faith. Amen. Faith. Look. It is said in the Gospels that Jesus could not do many miracles in Galilee because the people had no faith and never believed. So when there's the preaching of the Word of God, but it is not mixed with faith in the hearts of the hearers, that Word of God doesn't help them. But we see that the way that these people received the Word of God, they received it as the Word of God and not as the Word of men. They received it in faith. They started off in faith. And they're supposed to continue in faith. We started off believing faith and we need to continue on believing because that's how we continue in the Christian faith. So you received it, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but, uh, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So for true believers, the word of God is at work in them. For true believers, the word of God, when it gets into their hearts, it changes them. Hallelujah. For true believers, when they spend enough time in the Word of God, that Word of God is going to bring about change. For you, verse number 14, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. Now watch this. He's saying, 
you became imitators of the churches of God in Christ. That word imitate is something that Paul uses so much in this letter. And it's really about discipleship. Discipleship is imitating somebody. Amen. Discipleship is somebody imitating you to be a better Christian. And Paul has already said in chapter number 1, Well, you imitated us as we imitated Christ. To the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he, he writes, uh, Imitate us as we imitate Christ. In other words, you're not going to come up with any new kind of Christianity. Amen. It's the same old religion, man. It's the same old Christianity from 2,000 years ago. How does it work? Well, it's passed on from one generation to another generation. Oh, but you know, God has just told me that, you know, I should start this ministry, da 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 Yeah, but you are the only one that says that. Everybody around you, who also hears from God, doesn't say that there's something wrong there. Because God works with the fathering thing. He says fathers and sons. So one generation is the generation on which, or the work on which the next generation stands on. And so the Thessalonians are not going to do anything new. They are going to copy that which has already been done by other faithful churches, namely the church in Jerusalem, the church in Judea. You became imitators of the church in Judea. Who, when they were persecuted by the Jews, even killed, I mean persecuted by the Jews, yes, and even killed by Jesus, even killing Jesus Christ, they suffered on, they persevered on, they still preached. Hallelujah. Some of us, we can't even take a Bible to church because we're thinking people will laugh at us that we're Christians. Shame. Shame. You know what Jesus said? If you be ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. In other words, if you don't witness, if you don't tell people about me, if you don't witness, I will not be a witness for you before my Father. Very simple. Very simple. It will be done to you the way you do unto Him. Says this church became imitators of the church in Judea, of the churches in Judea. Watch again verse number 14. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. And so, in Acts chapter number 17, this church suffered persecution. Verse 15, Who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out, and displeased God, and opposed all mankind. Now, is Paul starting to say that Jews are evil? No, he's not saying that. Because he's already spoken of Gentiles, isn't it? That these Thessalonians, they are persecuted by Gentiles. So it's not Jew or Gentile. No, the issue is the non-believer that persecutes you. Okay, let me put it like this. There's a battle. There's a war. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of the devil. If you stand for God, this kingdom will want to shoot you down. If this kingdom doesn't shoot you down, you are not standing for God. Hallelujah. You are not a threat. So because you are not a threat, why should they attack you? It's not like they have endless numbers of bullets or endless numbers of demons. They don't. You get it? So the only reason they would not attack you, the only reason, in other words, you would not be persecuted is because you're not standing for the truth. If you stood for the truth, if you stood for Christ, if you witnessed, there would be persecution. 
Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, he says, all those that want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So when they're doing their deals, they won't include you. Because they know you're going to tell them, no, I'm sorry, I don't do that. That's, that's corruption. When they're going out, they won't take you. Even when they're going to the funeral, they won't take you in the car. Because along the way, they are going to be doing things you won't agree with. So they'll sideline you. So they would rather you get on a bus so you don't even go there at all. You won't feel your own cousin's funeral. Why? Because you're light and they're darkness. And church, listen. The reason we're here is to be a witness. Witnessing will mean suffering. Witnessing, they will laugh at us. If you want to be popular, don't be a Christian, please. If you want to be popular, do not be a Christian. Or maybe everybody is Christian. Everybody just writes on their CV, I'm Christian, such, such a church. Ah. Okay, do not be born again. Now, don't be born again. If you want to, to, to be the most popular this, most popular that, don't be born again. If you want everybody to like you, don't be born again. If you want to run for public office where everybody is stealing, maybe don't be born again. But he's saying here that these people, verse 16, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. Why is their opposition? To hinder you from telling people about salvation. You know how the devil does it? He makes you shy. He makes you feel like, no, you know, it's just being born again. See, the problem is many of us have turned born again into not drinking, not smoking, not sleeping around. Not sinning. And we, we say, oh, that's a nice person. And so because it's a nice person, the person is going to go to heaven. No, they're going to go to hell. Because the way you go to heaven is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Ah, but you know, I think, I, th- I think my mother is saved because she is so nice. Uh-uh. Nice people will go to hell. Amen. Tell your neighbor, nice people will go to hell. Mm. So they are hindering. Do you know? I shouldn't even say, do you know? You know that the reason you don't share the gospel, the reason you don't say you witness to other people, is because you are scared of persecution. What will they think of me? He says, no. That's not the way we do this thing called Christianity. We persevere in that persecution. We persevere in that persecution. Watch what he says, verse number 16 at the end. He says, so always to fill up the measure of their sins, but God's wrath has come upon them at last. So he's saying, all those that oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is going to come upon them. At last it's going to happen. You and me, what are we called to? Be faithful right now. Right now, do what we're meant to be doing. Share the gospel. Will they persecute us? Probably will. But have you ever heard anybody kill anybody in Malawi because they were speaking about Jesus? Nah. Listen. All around us are people that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The question is, are we being faithful witnesses? Are we being faithful witnesses? God is calling us to be faithful witnesses, to persevere in our witnessing, even in the midst of these tough times. 
may COVID-19 bump up your witnessing. I pray that COVID-19 will bump up your witnessing. I pray that COVID-19 will be the platform that you shall stand on and say, listen, Jesus is a healer. Does God heal? He does. Can He heal? He does. Why isn't He healing right now? Maybe He is. Does He have to sit down with you to tell you why? Who are you? He's sovereign. He can do whatever He wants to do. For us, the issue we witness. We tell others. You may be under lockdown. If lockdown does actually happen, and I, again I say, I wish it happens. Because that's the only way we're going to deal with this. Oh, but pastor, how are we going to take care of all these people that have to go to the, to, 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 onto the market every morning or every, every afternoon to buy food? Where are they going to get money if, 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 they're, if they're earning money on a daily basis? What's the government for? I thought the government is of the people, for the people, by the people. I thought it's our government. So we can spend $70 million to build a stadium we don't even use much? Why can't we take money, if we're going to borrow money, why don't we borrow money for our people to survive? That's what a government of the people is about. That's what a democracy is about. Yeah, so bring on the lockdown, get the money. The way you get money is for all these different things. When you get 92 people to go to the new UN General Assembly, however you do it, do it so that people that can survive, can survive. This thing, I tell you, judging by what has happened elsewhere. And there are, there are countries that pray too there. There are countries that pray there. South Korea, the biggest churches in the world, South Korea saw. And it hit them. America is hit them. Italy is hit them. Where the poppies hit them. So how about us? Let's take the preventive measures. Let's do everything that we need to do so that we can, this thing can be contained. That's why, again, we're closing church for 21 days. So that we lessen the risk of infections and the spreading of this thing. That, I think, is our obligation as a community. Because when we do this, it's not like we're doing this for ourselves. We're also doing it for others. Being in lockdown, staying at home, is not really just about you not getting infected. Because a lot of people think like that, isn't it? It's also about you not infecting others. These tough times require us to be bold witnesses. So this week is Easter week, isn't it? We usually have our Easter conference Monday up until all the way up until Sunday. So here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to go on Facebook Live. So at 8 every evening from Monday to Thursday, I'll be doing a devotional on Easter. On Saturday and Good Friday at 6, do another devotional on each of those days on Easter. We'd also want to have prayers, you know, a prayer line that's happening on Facebook uh, in the mornings. And so we're going to ask some of you leaders and pastors to be leading one in the morning, maybe from about 5.30 or so. Whoever wants to connect, we can connect together and pray together. Right? Next Sunday, we'll be streaming. So there's not going to be a church here, as in gathering. We won't have that. But we'll be streaming this whole sermon, and so you can watch it. That's a time to invite your friends to watch with you. Right? And we'll be doing that 
for the next 21 days. On the 24th of April, which is going to be a Friday, we'll review the whole thing. We don't know what things are going to be like there. We don't know what you know, the health professionals will tell us about the state of this whole thing. Right? And then we'll review again to say, okay, we're meeting on Sunday, or we're not meeting at all for another uh, set period of time. Right? All this does not mean this is the end of church. In fact, if people stop coming to church after this is over, ah, then you're not a Christian. Then you're not a Christian. Or you're not a part of us. But if you're really a Christian, there's going to be something inside you that's going to be saying, oh, let me go meet with those brothers and those sisters. They will be. Amen. For sales, I'd like to encourage you. Do something together online. Something that you can do. Right? Something that you can do and so that we can grow together. All these notes will be passed on on WhatsApp groups. We've actually opened a new um, uh, Cairo site. Cairo site is what we have on the WhatsApp, right? We've opened a Telegram. Telegram is just like WhatsApp, except that where WhatsApp has 256 members as a limit, Telegram has unlimited. Where WhatsApp, you can only send 16.7 megabytes of an attachment that would be a sermon or something like that. Uh, with Telegram, you can attach 1.5 gigabytes. So you can actually upload a whole sermon there, right? And so let's use any means that we can so that we can connect. Let's call each other, right? With Airtel for 500 kwacha, you have how many minutes? 100 minutes, isn't it? Yes, 100 minutes. And you can call a couple of people. You can call a lot of people. 100 minutes, you can call the whole church probably, right? And so let's not disconnect. Let this be a season of our connectedness in a whole different way. God calls us in these tough times that we will be bold in our witness and that we will do what He has called us to do. Amen. I'd like for you to stand up. We'd like to close with the word of prayer. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.